0: Thank you for joining our podcast. You are worshiping this morning with First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. I am Reverend Tenny Rupnick. Our scripture readings for later this morning, so that you can turn to your Bible and and open up if you want to. In the meantime, are going to be Isaiah fifty four through nine a and Matthew twenty seven eleven through fifty four. Our gathering meditation for this morning is taken from the books, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. Gather together with me. Please close your eyes and imagine our sanctuary around you, the smooth pew beneath you, the shuffles and whispers of those seated nearby, the sunlight slanting in through the stained glass windows, the shrouded lamps on the window sills, and the shrouded cross. We are not in our sanctuary in person, but God is our sanctuary, and God can help us feel nearer to God's own heart and spirit. Gather together with me, nearer the heart of God. Loving and saving God in our individual spaces and at this strange sheltering time, we open our eyes to see your glory. We open our ears to hear your wisdom. We open our hearts to offer you our love. You are our God, and we are your people. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 472 in our hymnal, entitled Nearer to the Heart of God. Please listen to the hymn as if listening to poetry. There is a place of quiet rest nearer to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest nearer to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God. A place where our Savior meet near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee, near to the heart of God. Our call to worship from Psalm 31. We have become like broken vessels For we are in distress, we waste away from grief. But we trust in you, O Lord. We say you are our God. Deliver us from our time of trial. Make your face to shine upon us. Save us in and lift us by your steadfast love. And now as we have so gathered, whether in our living rooms or or kitchens, by the light of computer or cell phone, Let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our head before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer.
1: Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. to us. Merciful God, full of grace,
0: hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Almighty and most holy God, On this holy day of Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday, we have so many mixed feelings inside of us. We remember your son's triumphant entrance into Jerusalem with the people shouting praises and waving palm branches, and we join with them in our own praises and hosannas. And yet, we remember, too, that this wonderful parade for your son becomes another kind of parade before officials and the booing of the crowds. And instead of the crowd singing his praises, they are shouting for his persecution and his crucifixion. Our hearts are broken by those very shouts and by the pain and suffering he bore that day. But yet we know that it is because of his choosing to enter Jerusalem and taking the path God asked of him that there is hope, grace, and salvation available for all. Available for all not just available to us. And there are still so many in need of hope in our world, in need of your grace in our world, in need of salvation, your presence, your love. Lord, enter into our lives, our churches, our cities, our countries, once again today. Heal us, Lord. Transform us. Renew us. Draw us closer to you in this journey of holy week Empower us with your strength and your courage and with the assurance that you are with us, world without end. It is in the name of Jesus, your Son, and our Savior, we pray and continue to pray, as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our next hymn this morning is number 297 in the hymnal, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. Upon that cross of Jesus, mine eyes at times can see the very dying of the form of the one who suffered there for me. And from my stricken heart with tears, two wonders, I confess, the wonders of redeeming love and my unworthiness. I take across thy shadow from my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face, content to let the world go by to know no gain nor loss, my sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. Let us join together now in our confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe, and believe what we say. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Now would be the time in our service in which we ask the ushers to come forward and we give our offerings. Please know, precious family at first, that while our doors are closed at this time for the safety of our at-risk members, that our ministry goes on and the bills still need to be paid. As I've said in previous podcasts, I do believe that this is going to be a time we will look back on in social and Christian history as a time which landed a death blow for many of our United Methodist and other Christian congregations. Please, let's do our best to help keep First UMC of West Pittston from becoming one of their numbers. Please remember to continue to give to your church as it is likely that your church needs your financial faithfulness now more than ever. And so I say now as I say every week, just as our Almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we're likewise called to give up of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. God of the crucified Lamb, We are struck on this Passion Sunday by the brutal reality that you did in the person of Jesus willingly and obediently sacrifice of yourself for us. And we ask that you accept these gifts we will be giving as a token of our commitment to follow your gracious and merciful example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is number 525 in the hymnal, entitled, We'll Understand It Better, By and By. We are tossed and driven on the restless sea of time. Somber skies and howling tempests oft succeed a bright sunshine in that land of perfect day when the mists have rolled away we will understand it better by and by by and by when the morning come comes when the saints of god are gathered home we'll tell the story of how we've overcome for we'll understand it better by and by we are often destitute of the things that life demands want of food and want of shelter thirsty hills, and barren lands, we are trusting in the Lord and according to God's word, we will understand it better by and by. By and by when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he guides us with his eye and will follow till we die, for we'll understand it better in the by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Temptations, hidden snares often take us unawares, and our hearts are made to bleed for a thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best, but we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Our Old Testament reading for this morning is taken from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through. 9a, so just the first part of verse 9. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with the word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Our next hymn this morning is Were You There, number 288 in the hymnal.
1: Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you tree were you there when they pierced him in the side This me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Our
0: gospel reading for this morning is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 11 through 54. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus said, you say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now, the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas to be freed and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, "'Why? What evil has he done?' But they shouted all the more, "'Let him be crucified!' So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, "'I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves.' Then the people as a whole answered, "'His blood will be upon us and our children.' So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, "'Hail, King of the Jews!' They spat on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to, for he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those who were with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly this man was God's Son. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon title this morning is A Breaking, a Shaping. Let's talk about napping. Most of us like a good nap, right? Most of us like time to close our eyes and take a rest in the middle of the day or in the middle of a sermon. Yes, we like a good nap. But I'm actually not wanting to talk about that kind of nap this morning. Not the close your eyes and take a rest kind of nap. The kind of napping I'd like for us to think about today is the other kind of napping, not the N-A-P napping, but rather the K-N-A-P napping. Napping as in napping stone. Napping as in working with pressure and force in order to shape stones. Some of you know what I mean. Most of us have had a chance to look at an old stone arrowhead a time or two. We've seen an old arrowhead in a museum gift shop or in a store at the beach, or maybe we've even found one in the dirt of our own yard or land. Some of us have also had the opportunity to see spearheads or other ancient tools, which may remind us of arrowheads in their shape, reminding us of those arrowheads because they're also made of stone because we can tell they were handmade, and because they are roughly tapered as they come to a point and an edge. It's likely that all these items were napped. It's likely that they were formed into their present shape from larger, raw stones, formed as a craftsman struck the softer rock with a harder object or by applying a steady, steady, strong pressure on the softer rock until it gave way but formed by a skilled and determined person breaking off flake after flake of the original stone as he sharpened it and shaped it. But here's the thing. In order to be successfully napped, the rock needs to be a certain kind of stone, the kind of stone which will break in an anticipated curve or will fracture in a predictable line. And not all stones are like that. Not all rocks will break along a predictable line or hold a hard, sharp edge. But some can. For example, rocks called obsidian and chert are like that. They are rocks that can be napped. And the rock called flint is another such rock. Yeah, flint. That rock that often has a waxy or glassy appearance. Flint. Flint the same material that can be used in igniting a spark. Flint, this is a stone which can be napped into specific shapes or lines. This same rock is a material that has been napped since ancient times, used and especially formed as weapons and other tools. Flint, the rock that was also mentioned in our first scripture reading for this morning. I don't think it's any mistake or coincidence that the writer of the book of Isaiah chose to compare Isaiah to Flint. It's not any accident or fluke that this ancient scripture uses Flint to describe the makeup or the character of the ancient prophet. The prophet in this scripture and at that time was going through a process of steady pressure applied. What do I mean by that? Well, think back or look back to the scripture. In Isaiah 50, the writer claims, in the voice of the prophet after whom the scripture is named, I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. And then he goes on to say, The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. In this Old Testament scripture, we are shown a man of God who is perhaps going through a similar process as the one we covered earlier. That is, we see a person who is in the process of being napped, just like the process a stone worker might undertake with a raw piece of flint, going through that practice of the steady pressure applied to shape and form something with a better goal or purpose in mind. After all, Isaiah's back is struck and his beard is pulled and he is insulted and spit upon. Isaiah is in a situation in which great pressure is applied. But it is stated in the text that he did not hide his face from that torment. He did not hide his face because he knew that it is none other than the Lord God who helps him. Now before I get farther, don't get me wrong. In this conversation about Flint, and napping and pressure of Isaiah and torment, please don't hear my words and think that I am somehow saying that God sends to us pressure and torment in order to shape us. Please don't go away from this message with that message, that incorrect understanding in your heart, because that's just about the last thing I'd want to happen from our time together for you to somehow think that God wants or plans for our torment, because that is very, very bad theology. That is the idea that God sends pressure and torment in order to shape us. It's a bad understanding of the nature of the Almighty. Because God is all about love. Because God is all about peace and hope and wholeness and goodness. If you hear one thing from me today, hear this God does not send us tragedy and torment. God does not send to us tragedy and torment. But the truth of the matter is, as I've touched upon before, the truth of the matter is we live in a fallen world, and torment and tragedy and turmoil and hopelessness and brokenness and sinfulness do, of course, in fact, exist. And it's exactly this fallenness and brokenness under which Isaiah sets his face like flint and is not ashamed, because he knows that it is none other than the Lord God who helps him. Now, keep in mind that in Isaiah's case, it's the sinfulness and brokenness and fallen nature of other people that is putting him through this time of trial. Also, keep in mind that Isaiah stands firm. Isaiah stands strong during this time as he sets his face firmly and solidly against the pressure and torment, as he sets himself steady and strong like flint against the pressure of his enemies. But consider also, never once in this passage is it suggested that Isaiah does not fracture or break. Did you catch that? Never once in this passage does it suggest that Isaiah does not fracture or break. In fact, I think quite the opposite claim is made. I think that we, as we listen to the scripture or read it, that we are meant to know that Isaiah did in fact fracture under the pressure, that he did, in fact, break under some of the strain. I think this because he makes a point of saying that while all this has been and is happening to him, he makes the point of saying that he is not ashamed. This is significant. It's significant because why would he even mention shame? He's done nothing wrong if others are hurting him. Why would he even go there? if he did not have moments in which he faltered or cracked. I think Isaiah did, in fact, have moments of fracture because he makes a point of saying that he had, he has not been disgraced. And again, why would he even mention disgrace? Why would he even go there if he did not have moments in which he faltered or cracked? I think that Isaiah did, in fact, have moments of fracture because he makes a point of saying that he set his face like flint, like flint, like a stone that particularly is known for its potential in being broken and shaped. The ancient writer did not use another non-nappable stone or unshapable material to make this point and form this image. The writer used flint. Isaiah was under pressure. Isaiah fractured and cracked, but Isaiah is not disgraced. And Isaiah is fully unashamed because Isaiah stood strong in the midst of it, because he set his face like flint and didn't shy from the breaking, and because he knew, Isaiah knew that as he said, the Lord God helps me, he who vindicates me is near. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day of our Lenten celebration in which we remember Jesus' triumphant re-entry into Jerusalem. It's a day in which we remember that veritable snippet of time, a brief moment actually, in the grand scheme of things, in which Jesus commands a kind of rock star status as he is welcomed with cheering and fanfare, and by which he is ushered in with the waving of palm branches and their leaves, palm branches and leaves which we can imagine shone and shimmered in the light of the Middle Eastern sun like so many cheerleaders' pompons. The scene we find here is one full of approval and welcome and rejoicing and celebration. We can almost feel the stomping and the clapping of the excited people. We can almost feel the sharp heat of the sun as it warms the top of our heads. We can almost hear the shouts of the enthusiastic crowds. Go, Jesus of Nazareth, we love you. We welcome you, the promised for Messiah, as we usher you with enthusiasm and palm branches into our holy city. And some of you might be wondering, why is the sermon about napping and flint in times of pressure, rather than being about the cheering in the palms and times of joy? Well, it's because of this. It's because while today is known as Palm Sunday in our Christian tradition, it is also known as Passion Sunday. Passion Sunday. The word passion here meaning suffering and specifically referring to the suffering, of course, of Jesus the Christ. I talk about napping in Flint in times of pressure because we know that that time of celebrating crowds was just a snippet of time, a brief moment, really, in the grand scheme of things in which Jesus commanded that rock star status. It didn't last. Because we know of all the suffering and torment which is to come as as he goes nearer to the cross and as we enter into Holy Week. As we come upon Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. And as we face those dead and cold tomb days before the stone is rolled away. I speak of napping and flint and times of pressure as we look to the story of the Passion of Christ in Matthew, our second reading for this morning. A time during which Jesus is accused and hated. The very people who had cheered him on now, calling for his blood. A time during which he was mocked and abused. A scarlet robe nastily draped around him and a crown of thorns, brutally forced onto and into his head. A time. A time during which he was stripped and shamed and led away to be physically nailed metal and force ripping at innocent flesh as he was led away to be crucified. A time in which others passed by him, mocking him and deriding him as he hung there only by nerves and sinew and raw flesh and cracking bone. A time during which he so suffered that Jesus of Nazareth did a bit of cracking and breaking of his own as he cried in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A time in which he breathed his last and died. I speak of times of pressure and of napping because, like the prophet Isaiah had, Jesus also had set his face like flint. Jesus knew as he saw the cheering of the crowds what was to come. He knew as he spent his last days leading and teaching and loving what was ahead of him. He knew as he faced his disciples over the last meal they shared with him what was in store for him. And yet, Jesus stood strong. He set his face like flint. And while he did suffer and there was enormous pressure and while he did have moments in which he fractured and broke, Jesus did not bend. He did not waver. He faced his time of trial knowing that it's the Lord God in heaven who helped him and who was near. And so he was not disgraced or ashamed because by his faith in and trusting God, Jesus could set his face like flint And allow God to work the best kind of good and beauty through those awful circumstances. The awful circumstances that our brokenness and sinfulness and fallenness had wrought for God's own son. Jesus allowed himself to be napped. In his faith and hope, Jesus didn't shy from the breaking. Times for us right now are hard. And I am concerned that they are only going to become more difficult as this time of sheltering in place and loneliness stretches on, as our routines and lives continue to be disturbed and frustrated, as more sickness comes over the land and as more deaths do happen, as more people are laid off from their jobs or lose their jobs entirely and as our economy worsens as a result as more fear and panic threatens to fill our psyches and experiences, this is a time of pressure as many of us have never lived through before. It's a time of trial and suffering for which the end is not yet in sight. We are still in the cold, dark tomb. But remember if you can. Stop your rising panic and recall, if you are able, the example set by these two men, by Isaiah the prophet, and by Jesus of Nazareth, and set your face like flint in response to these times. Always remembering that it is okay to have times in which you feel like you are breaking or have been broken. Always recalling that you have absolutely no reason to feel disgraced or be ashamed always knowing that while you may fracture and crack under the pressure that our Lord God Almighty takes these awful and frightening times and terrible circumstances into his loving hands and helps as a stone master would to shape you and to form us into God's best purpose for us and to his ultimate good it's okay to crack Just know that your God in heaven helps you, that your God in heaven is near, that the tomb will be emptied and opened. One day, I promise, you will look back on this time and say, my God, my God, never did you forsake me. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is number 289. In Our hymnal, ah, holy Jesus, ah, holy Jesus, how hast thou offended that we to judge thee have in hate pretended by foes derided by thy own rejected, o most afflicted, who was the guilty who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus, hath undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus. I, it was denied thee, I crucified thee. Lo, the good shepherd for the sheep is offered. The slave hath sinned and the son hath suffered. For our atonement, while we nothing heeded, God interceded. For me, kind Jesus, was thy incarnation, thy mortal sorrow and thy life's oblation, thy death of anguish and thy bitter passion, For my salvation. Therefore, kind Jesus, since I cannot pay thee, I do adore thee, and will ever pray thee. Think on thy pity, and thy love unswerving, not on my deserving. Before we take our leave now of one another, may we recite the Wesleyan covenant prayer together. I am no longer my own, but yours put me to what you will, rank me with whom you will, put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Jesus came to bless us, died to save us, and rose to set us free. So then, by the power of his obedient sacrifice, may we go forth now as a blessing to others, as by our living we share the good news of the salvation and freedom that can be found in Jesus the Christ. Amen.